0: Hey, it's Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. This is part two of three parts of a program recorded Monday night, January 9th, 2023. If you really, if you really want to do this, be authentic in your deep focus listening. Start the programs Monday at 6 p.m. But you don't need to do that. You can listen anytime you like. If you didn't hear part one, I'm going to recommend that you do go back and listen to it. It ended with Brian and I just starting to touch on the topic of his association musical and personal with the astonishing musician Joey DeFrancesco, who died very suddenly um, and way too young, not too long before we made this recording. And Brian speaks uh, very, very affectionately for Joey and what was lost and I'm just very grateful I got to see this ensemble that these two guys had two organs on stage oh my goodness so much music at one time oh man you got to get out and hear the music when you can that's one of the great lessons here okay here we go part two of three parts Brian Charette on the topic of Jimmy Smith And a little sidebar here on the brilliant
1: Joey DeFrancesco. It's deep focus. Like Joseph, play the organ, you know. And we became really good friends, especially in the last year of his life. We were working together a lot, and we're going to do some more things. So such a huge loss. And, you know, his wife is such an incredible manager. She was like the tour manager for... His gigs, and she was the most professional tour manager I ever worked with. I know his mom and dad. Um, We just played together in the early summer at uh, Musical Instrument Museum in uh, Arizona.
0: Oh no, kidding! Yeah, I just had a whole conversation about that.
1: So this was the last time I saw him. We were talking together, and then he was gone. Yeah, you know. So
0: yeah, that was a that was a fantastic night. I don't think I'd ever seen. Two organs on the same stage to begin with. And the two of you guys, man, there was so much music coming out of it.
1: That's right. You came to see us at yeah. the forum. I forgot about yeah. that. Uh-huh.
0: And uh he was phenomenal. I hadn't I realized it probably had been twenty years since I'd seen him play live. He looked
1: fantastic. He looked never better. Never That's better. That's why this was so shocking.
0: And he's like, oh, and by the way, let me leave this instrument that I've mastered like no one has ever lived and play a saxophone. No, trumpet solo. No, (laughs) I'm going to sing.
1: He was really something. He was. uh, I've never known a person gifted with music like that. You know, it was really something to be around him. It was really something. And he made me feel very close, you know, and especially when his mom and dad were there. Um, when I would see them at, like, the trade shows in, in California or when I saw them in Arizona. And uh, we spent a week together in Switzerland last year, too. We were with uh, Anwar, who played drums on this show that you saw, and Peter Bernstein played guitar. And we had incredible organ rigs for a week in, uh, in Bern at a place called Marianne's, where we got to play, maybe it was six nights, uh, a year ago, September, and uh, that was incredible experience.
0: Yeah, he and yeah, he showed enormous respect. and Well, we were friends. We were you. friends. Yeah. You know,
1: it was. Uh, it
0: showed. I mean, it came through very clearly. No,
1: we enjoy. I think we enjoyed each other very much. I think we're very different in the way we play organ. I would say, you know, um, and I think a lot of people try to match Joey, which is impossible <laughs> to me <laughs> technically. And I would kind of go the other way. And I think that was why I enjoyed it so much because it got me to try to investigate this very different side of of playing like I would use different stops and uh the juxtaposition to me was was pretty interesting, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he's just playing so much. Yeah, he's a you know, so like tremendous where? organist. It's I, I so... just think for you
0: being on stage with him, the challenge, you know, it's terrifying. Terif- it's obviously
1: terrifying <laughs> because he sounds like that.
0: Well, I didn't mean that, but yes.
1: But he was so gentle and encouraging to me. You know, um, all with every it was always super cool hang, and we'd just be talking and sharing ideas, not even necessarily about music. And it was a real family atmosphere. You know which I will really always cherish. So mm. it was a great honor to, to to have played music with him.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Well, yeah. thank you for... Life-changing. Sharing it. Yeah. We had a great time. I was there with Jim Newman. Jim
1: yeah, Newman. that was a great... A, I, I love that place, the Jazz Forum. It's a cool club. Um, Is that Terrytown? I think so, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep, yep, yep. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Incredible was, memories.
0: Yeah. I'm glad I caught a little chapter of it. That was very special moment for me right when uh I think that was also right when covid was kind of cresting
1: oh, yeah can you believe that it's still going on
0: yeah yeah very much so very much so crazy um but not here in the studio wkcr no. and not in sal Playel in paris in november of 1968 Jimmy Smith holding it down with the trio with Nathan Page on guitar, Donald Bailey on drums. Jimmy Smith has probably, we were figuring without even looking or counting, maybe 50 albums plus, all of which you probably could find if you really tried mm-hmm. rounding up LPs and whatever might be available, digital downloads, CDs. Mm-hmm. He certainly played through into the CD era. and uh, But you might not find this recording. This recording is from the WKCR archives, you've probably never heard it, and you're hearing some things, if your notion of who Jimmy Smith was as a musician is sort of cast in amber of, of a, a kind of a genre or subgenre and a style unto its own, you're not really getting under the
1: hood. He's subtle, too, though. He sneaks it in there. You know, everything, all of the blues, all of the things from the early period are still there. And then, you know, curveball.
0: Yeah. And he keeps coming up with more and more stuff. And it was interesting, something you said, maybe you can unpack it a little bit, that it's it's not really a huge vocabulary.
1: I think this, of all great jazz guys from Charlie Parker to... I mean, now, like, young people, when they learn jazz, they have a lot of different things that they're into. But I feel like you got to remember, there was no YouTube. There was no – a lot of this stuff, there was no owner's manual to it. It was not codified. Even what they were playing on the records were kind of – it was kind of spoken about after, you know. Um, So these – he must have just been around contemporaries who were in this – kind of stuff he must have been friends with all these guys i'm sure he's friends with larry young by this time right he must be or know him or be into what he does i'm sure he was into it um
0: they were label mates at blue note uh early on but i mean larry young boy talk about a guy whose style evolved
1: right i mean he sounds totally different from is that the first record with the bricks on the cover
0: I'm not picturing the cover, but his he made some early records that...
1: Sounded totally different yeah. from what he sounds when he starts to play this kind of modal approach. Yeah, and, and he's also, he's,
0: you know, Joe Henderson and that stuff. Yeah. Not to mention, by this time, maybe he's already uh, not, I don't think, quite yet doing the Tony Williams' Lifetime stuff. Mm-hmm. No, that's
1: a little, yeah. yeah. Um, so he's working all of these new ideas into his... Really fully formed style, and they—I don't know if this is true—but they told me that he got a warehouse, got an organ, and just locked himself in there for like a couple years to develop these kind of techniques, which would become his first stuff, which was very blues and bebop oriented. Especially coming story. from Charlie Parker, and we were talking about not not a lot of material, not in any kind of negative way, but these guys, especially thinking of Charlie Parker. They had 10 to 20 ideas that they could just turn on their head, start it in any part of the beat, play it in any key. But the building blocks weren't infinite. It was a small amount of material that they would really hone so they could use it in their approach to music. And that's what I think about Jimmy Smith. This is especially apparent to me when I was reading my friend's dissertation on him. Because he'll take these old solos and just break them down. Here's the Champ blues lick, which you hear like 50 times in the Champ. And sometimes it'll be inverted. And it's maybe 10 or 12 things, pieces that he's using, which to me is many less things that people who improvise now in jazz are thinking about. It's just interesting.
0: Yeah, very interesting. You know,
1: you're kind of like just giving yourself a very set very set parameters and you're staying I don't want to say you're staying within them in the way that they're not taking chances but it's not like oh I'm going to sound like this guy now or I'm going to do this thing or I'm going to play symmetrical scales of Olivier Messiaen or I'm going to you know it's not that
0: here's another thing that's changed since the time of this recording 1968 so Jimmy Smith's putting these records out at this I think that this time he's still with a verve they're big big records some of them have like big production Mm -hmm. And the material, there was a common language of songs. Mm -hmm. These are really, these are pop tunes. A lot of this music that he's playing. And
1: you know, this might be a set from an organ gig that I will play tomorrow. Like, (laughs) they still play all of these songs.
0: And they were, and these songs at the time, I mean, some exceptions. You're going to hear, he's going to do Satin Doll in this next set, which is, you know, kind of more of a conventional jazz standard. And um, certainly, whether it was Misty or Old Folks, either mm-hmm. way, it's a it's a jazz chestnut, even by 1968. But um, a lot of this music, you know, would be the equivalent maybe of like a Taylor Swift song today, but even more so, because as hugely popular as someone like that is, it's not... Something that everyone knows. And uh-huh. Grandma and Grandpa will tap their toe to, uh-huh. which was very much the case with these songs. They uh-huh. were like monster AM radio hits hits, and, yeah. and common language. Mm-hmm. And But of course, you know, he's finding all these new things to do with it and bringing, making them
1: into Jimmy Smith songs. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's obviously brilliant at playing this instrument, which is not easy to do, you know. Just the pedals alone, like moving your limbs like that for any a period of time is physically very demanding. So, and he would always be in a suit too. You know, I wear a suit, but it's like, I, I'm pretty wet by the time I'm like, and I kind of have to take my jacket off. Like, I don't know how he would stay dressed like that. Um, I don't know how anybody does it. Um,
0: I picture, I'm trying to remember, he spent a little bit of time around him. And I picture him being kind of a wiry. He was wiry. God, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Pretty um, thin, pretty strong.
0: Very energetic. Um, very constantly
1: moving yeah. and and flowing. He was kind of a, a jokester too. You know, yes, he would he be just.
0: Yeah, he really was. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Did you know Lonnie at all? Lonnie was very much like this. It's it was different. Yeah, and Lonnie was very gentle and soft spoken, but he would you know Lonnie Smith. Yeah. Like he would sit down next to me and not look at me for like two minutes and just sit there. And then he would put his cane on my foot, you know, and he had these sayings that he would say, you know, like he'd, ton- he'd s- slowly turn to you and say, I hate you or you owe me money. Everybody has a story like this who was friends with him. Um, but he was also a terrific Incredible artist as well, very influenced by Jimmy Smith, as all of these guys were Jack McDuff, Jimmy McGriff. It yeah, couldn't not be. I mean, yeah, I you could only imagine. Not be. They played basically the same drawbar setting. And so did Larry Young, but Larry Young changed the chorus setting, which made it a little more intense sounding. So Jimmy Smith used C3 vibrato, which is kind of the most popular vibrato to use on an organ in a jazz context and I believe Larry Young used C1 which is kind of a little more intense narrower bandwidth of tremulant maybe but still coming from Jimmy Smith and if you listen to him on the older records before like Unity and stuff it's it's very influenced by Jimmy Smith to me
0: yeah yeah it's a you know it's very interesting looking at this music, listening to this music over the long span of time and the idea of changing the sound of an instrument and some of these instruments, uh, you know, some of the electronic keyboards that you play are only emerged during your adult lifetime. Uh And some of them might go back hundreds of years, Mm -hmm. sort of thousands of years or, you know, somewhere in between. And the kind of drive that it takes and creativity to change the sound not just for yourself but for everybody who comes after you. Mm-hmm. It's a that's its own kind of magic that a very few people bring.
1: Sure, and I don't know what it was like then, but you know, sometimes people are very resistant to um, you trying to change the sound yes, of an instrument that's true and too. it can be met with You know, even my albums that are more trying to stretch the sound have been, you know, I get a little heat for that. Yeah. I could guess. Jimmy Smith doesn't seem like he was. He probably didn't care too much. (laughs) But when he came out, it was such a, you know, I also think that those I think you could people were looking for new sounds that's a, good a little point. bit more than than
0: now that's good but yeah
1: but not no. to pigeonhole now either to say that there's no new sounding things
0: and don't try to tell me that there were no moldy fig jazz heads mentioned i'm in sure there were i'm
1: sure there were i'm sure there were someone told me giant steps got one star on downbeat is that true or it got a not a great review but yeah you know to be an innovator um, like him i'm sure it was not an easy thing to do You have to have a really strong sense of self, which is not an easy thing to have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we got a revelation here in this recording from Sal Playel, Paris, 1968. And we got just a couple tracks left. Should we jump back in?
1: I think so, because I like these ones a lot. What are Um, they? I got my mojo working, um, funny lyrics. And Satin Doll, where we might get to hear him do some squabbling, which is this organ kind of chordal playing that he, to me, very much uh, invented or codified. McDuff does it a lot, too. It's got kind of a glassy texture. The percussion is still on, but the first draw bar is pulled out in the last four, and it gives it kind of a swirly chordal kind of vibe.
0: I like it. I like it. Right, hold on now. You know, I've got this thing with this uh, trying to uh, doing a little, got a little innovation, we'll call it. <laughs> of how we're presenting these recordings. Um but uh, thanks for staying with us. Okay, so last two pieces on this set. The show's deep focus. I'm your host Mitch Goldman here with Brian Charette and it's WKCR and we're at Sal Play El Paris nineteen sixty eight on WKCR uh, here we go <laughs> Oh, I can't believe that worked.
2: Well, look at my mo. Show what, baby. And I'm gonna try it on you, baby. When I say, you got my mo. Show what, baby. And I'm gonna try it on you, baby. What I said, babe, when well, I try in New York City, you gon' give me a chance on you. Babe. Yeah what I say, got my mo, it's working baby. And I'm gonna try it on you baby. Yeah, you better get your frugalator working. I got my mo, it's your working baby and I'm gonna try it on you Yeah, I'm gonna try it on you Yeah, I tried New York City You gonna give me a chance on you, baby yeah, I'm gonna work my route, in.
0: how they do it that's how they do it a little two minutes of Mm -hmm. little shades of elephants gerald of whom we spoke and count basie Mm -hmm. and so much else that's a, a live set if you missed it well you will actually you know what a week from tonight it's going up on the deep focus podcast
1: of which i'm a fan
0: i'm so glad and uh thank you thank you thank you um, yeah, you can find it on your favorite podcasting app on that phone in your pocket right now. If you don't see it there, you can always find it at the hosting site, which is mitchgoldman.podbean.com. Mitchgoldman.podbean.com. And, uh, there's hundreds of episodes, many of which feature Brian Charette.
1: Well, Some of the few, past shows anyway, we've A done. few at least. At least
0: a few. How many have we done? Six. put me on the spot, but I'll tell you what. You can look it up. You can go to a different website, uh-huh. MitchGoldman.com. Uh-huh. And if you pull down the tab about deep focus, MitchGoldman.com, pull down about deep focus, there is a search bar, a Google search bar. And if you put your name in
1: there. Oh my God, I love to do that. All am a totally, on, I'm totally
0: we, did that, we did that great one. One of my favorite. Keith Emerson? Yes. Well, this is a big one. That was like a kind of surprise. Whose big
1: dude was Jack McDuff, by the way? Uh
0: huh. See it all. Rock candy was with Keith was Emerson's. Keith, em- Keith Emerson had some crazy stories. Man, about Man, I him.
1: told you that I got to play with him. right? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Incredible. He
0: had some hilarious stories about Jimmy Smith. I'm sure. Actually, I don't want to. I don't want to speak out of school for him, but uh-huh. you can look him up and um, see some of the things that he had to say. And um, but yeah, so deep focus. Uh, so yeah, next week this one will go up. It's all free, just like on WKCR. No advertising. No. Tip Cup even, no nothing, giving it all away. And, uh, yeah, hundreds and hundreds of shows on there. Deep focus. Come find that. And, Brian, I want to ask you, man, what do you got coming up around uh, here and elsewhere? You're always – grass does not grow under your feet.
1: Well, you know, I was traveling a lot in September and October, so I've been mostly playing in New York for the last – Little while, but I'm going to go. Uh, I'm actually playing one New York show on piano, which is uncommon. Uh, I'm going to play at Mesro on February 1st, and then I'm going to go to Los Angeles for a couple weeks, and I have some cool shows there. I play with kind of a fusion band with Danny Carey and Jimmy Vivino and Doug Webb. We're going to play at the Baked Potato in L.A. on the 9th of February. And I'm going to play three different concerts at the Grape in Ventura, which is a really cool place. Um, And there's going to be kind of a West Coast version of the Sextet. I think David Binney is going to play. Um, I'm going to play with Doug Webb there. And then we're going to have some kind of keyboard summit, which might have Scott Kinsey. Um, A lot of cool L.A. Mitch Foreman keyboard dudes that I've become friends with since I've been going there. So it's going to be a real nice trip. Uh, And I've been – you know, I just turned 50. So I've been trying to take it easy so I can stay alive for a couple more years. Oh, come on. Um, Hard
0: to believe your your boyish globetrotting
1: self. uh, Well, you know, I have been trying to uh, travel a little bit less because it's really – it's really a lot to travel now. Have you been traveling? No.
0: Oof. No. You know I used to.
1: You know, it's a lot better than it was. I was doing it. I was basically traveling as soon as you could, and I would have to get roadside COVID tests in Spain, oh. and it was like pretty hairy. Yeah. So uh, I've been trying. I love to play in New York, too. There's a lot of great places and great people here. Um I will go to Europe a bunch in the summer, though. I'm going to be uh, I'm going to play an organ festival in Switzerland in uh, Basel at a place called the Bird's Eye. They have a cool organ festival there. I'm going to play in Berlin at a place called B Flat, and I go to the Czech Republic a lot and Slovakia. So I'm going to you know I'm going to be traveling a lot. In, I, the, knew the, in the I knew
0: in it. I knew you are trying to tell me.
1: Well, for this, for <laughs> in the winter, I try to write music and I try to keep it, you know, not travel so much because it's also winter. And when I would do tours in the winter, it would be just logistically or canceled or snowing. Right. Sure. For the plane, I would, you know, it would. I usually don't tour too much in January to March. Yep. And you told me you did a just did a classical performance. I just played man i work with this amazing orchestra called the modern art orchestra in budapest and i actually last year i met um the gentleman who runs the orchestra teaching in prague with him 10 years ago we became friends last year i wrote a piece for his brass orchestra and we played it in budapest and this year They played a late mass from Franz Liszt called Via Crucis, which is basically the Stations of the Cross, and he brought in four soloists. So I had my B3 on the altar of St. Stephen's Basilica and was kind of dueling with Andres, the amazing organist, pipe organist of St. Stephen's Basilica, and we had two amazing sopranos as well, and we played this 1879 Franz Liszt mass, and it was What an experience that was. So I'm hoping to do something with them also. I'm trying to write some music for that group as well now. So, you know, very exciting times for me artistically, I have to say. Uh, And I'm so grateful to be able to just, I mean, I don't really work. You know, I just go around and go la, la, la. (laughs) <laughs> it's like pretty good figured something out man
0: do uh if people want to follow what you're doing buy your music
1: it's very easy to find you just put my name in any kind of search engine my website is brian and i'm also easy to write to i'm friends with a lot of people um, who are just enthusiastic about the organ and just have a question or whatever i mean obviously within reason but uh, i'm very accessible in general
0: Brian, B-R-I-A-N, Charette, C-H-A-R-E-T-T-E. Say my name. Brian Charette. (laughs) Brian Charette. Uh, Here's a question I've never asked you. Uh Have you ever had an opportunity or welcomed the opportunity to
1: play one of those big honking pipe organs? Totally. As a matter of fact, I've played a 300-year-old Silberman organ who played? Who designed organs that Bach would play. Wow. Where so was that? So that was in, I always mispronounce the name of this place, and there are two different places. It's in Fre- Freiburg, Germany. It's about two hours from Berlin, and that is where this big, or he was very famous pipe organ maker, and this organ I played was like 300 years old. And, you know, the gentleman I was working with, David Nicholson, super cool oil painter in berlin but he also has this kind of alternate kind of punky band that we play in, in berlin and i love it and i'm very good friends with the guys and he rented out this medieval church where kings are buried and made like kind of a scandalous music video in there like i was dressed up like a pimp on the <laughs> organ and they kind of have this you know I don't know how he did it to be honest because it was like smoke machines in this like medieval church and uh pretty frisky subject matter I would say. Uh-huh. So, um well isn't that where
0: all that stuff comes I from? I guess so.
1: <laughs> but uh so I play I actually used to play in a bunch of churches in New York. From Leon, who is how we know each other. Yes. Leon Gruenbaum, mm-hmm. of course, who plays with Vernon's groups. Um I started like 15 years ago to play pipe organ in church services, which I really enjoyed. And I played on that in that big stone church on Bleecker Street, Our Lady of Pompeii, which has the same organ in there as St. Patrick's Cathedral. It's a Kilgan organ. Wow. And the biggest thing about the organ is, you know, some of them can be in a tough state of repair. Yeah. Yeah. And they have a big wind box. And in the old days, like when you see the Silverman organ and you go to the museum in Germany, there would be people in there like rats on a maze, like going yeah, up and down to, gener- to generate the air. Yeah. Now they have these big wind boxes, but uh, this organ on Bleecker Street is a great sounding organ, but sometimes you would just freak out in the middle of a mass. And most of my learning how to play pipe organ was learning how to get it to stop You know, making some (laughs) crazy sound just because it's just going off on a tangent it's a mechanical wind driven so I'm not like a very experienced pipe organist but at this point I've played a little pipe organ and I'm not completely unfamiliar with it pipe organ has a very slow attack compared to a Hammond organ so in that way it's very very different well and I would think
0: that's actually very fitting with the kind of acoustic environment that they're sure. to be sure. played
1: in. But it's difficult to play. And this organ, uh, you know, I became very good friends with the organist at uh, St. Stephen's, and he's incredible virtuoso classic, uh, classical organist and a specialist in Franz Liszt music. Um, and, you know, this mass was very interesting. It's written very late in his life. And it's very pastoral and serene, which is very not like the Transcendental Etude. Uh, I'm sorry, that's Franz Liszt. Uh, um, we're talking about Franz. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Transcendental Etudes, if you listen to earlier Franz Liszt music, is very technically difficult. And, you know, we, I have a broken finger on my right hand, so I can't play really technically difficult classical music. But I managed on this uh, okay. Uh, and it was a great experience and the interesting about the modern art orchestra is they will play the music but then on certain sections they will blow out certain pieces of the arrangement that can have uh, rescoring or some things have improvised parts so it might even be a little scandalous for purists of classical music but I find it very stimulating and interesting you know um, yeah so that was, that was my experience with pipe organ music this year, yeah.
0: The show's called Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. Brian Charette is with me, and we are zoning in on the one and only incredible Jimmy Smith, and specifically these late 60s live performances that uh, KCR archives delivered onto us. And we're changing gears only because we ran through that whole Paris session from 68
1: where to? Well, can we do the one um, from London? Oh, you, that's a little we not try. the greatest. We no, don't do it. 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 The only reason is because this group on this maybe the listeners can try to find this uh, YouTube German documentary that has this band because it's so interesting and Billy Hart is playing in New York. I love that. You know, I love that. now and sounding killer.
0: You know. All right, I'm gonna try to. Keep talking because I need a minute. Uh, full disclosure: our um, CDs didn't burn. <laughs> Which can happen. We had a little. This is the home of technical difficulties. I didn't know that would follow me back to my house.
1: <laughs> you know, <laughs> CDs are t- they're tough. Sometimes I'll even have a release from a uh, you know some record that I have. Someone buys it and it doesn't play. Not Oof. not really the new ones, but CDs are. They can be a little – they can burn – the speed that you burn them sometimes makes a big uh,
0: – Maybe – I don't know if that was it. Um, I, multiple efforts. I've got this. the stuff you're talking about, though. Yeah, I but am, I don't – you know, if it – No, it's queued uh, cu- it's, it's up. Are you sure? It is
1: – Just because this band is the same band in this very interesting German documentary, and you kind of get to see them vibing with, with each other, and I feel like you can really hear that in the music. Yeah. Um, And, you know, being in New York City, Billy Hart is still playing great here. Um, I've never spoken to him about it. You know, I've heard him play a bunch, but I wrote to him the other day and I'm like, oh, my God, Mr. Hart. I was just watching you again on this amazing video. And Quinton is playing a Stratocaster. In the video too, I Clint don't know if, he's, don't know if a he's playing a, a Stratocaster here, but that's kind of an unusual choice.
0: Well, it's, uh, so this is 19th January of '66. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Stratocaster had a little different
1: connotation. And I love Stratocaster, but you Didn't never you used to play Stratocaster. I play. I still play Stratocaster. Yeah, I haven't seen you pick up a guitar in years. I still do it. I used to do it more. Um, You know, I've just been so busy with the keyboard music that uh, my other instruments, I I haven't kept them up in the way that I did in the past. But um, this is, this band is in this video. And I, when I listened to this music, I really thought, and Austin, my friend that I was telling you about before, sent me the video a couple days ago because I was talking to him and I said I was going to come on the show. And he sent me the video. And it's really in the time period that we're talking about and you get to see Jimmy Smith and the guys arriving in the airport, how they are uh, with the people. He has cream in his coffee, and it tastes different. And it's just, it's just interesting to see, like you, because you can see how they were traveling, getting from place to place, flying in these planes, and uh, uh, pretty interesting. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. I, I've never I sent seen it to it. you. I sent yeah, it to yeah, you. yeah, yeah. It's easy. It's on YouTube. It's easy to find. Well, you say that now. But. <laughs> you got to look. That's the thing. You got to look. I think it's just called Jimmy Smith Documentary. If you just I put that it. in and out. Yeah.
0: All right. So uh, we're in London. It's uh, January of 1966. Should we just jump right in here? Yeah. All right. It's, uh, we're WKCR. I'm going to give you, actually, tell you officially because we're going to be pushing through. It's WKCR FM New York, WKCR HD1, WKCR.org. And we call this show Deep Focus. I'm Mitch Goldman and Brian Charette's with me. And we are hearing live music from Jimmy Smith Trio. All right. Now now comes the mystery part because, hmm, okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we're going to be able to play this. No problem. Hold on, hold on. Maybe, maybe we're working from this tablet it's a little bit of a high wire act
1: you gotta switch to mac man
0: no <laughs> i oh. am i'm a mac guy uh-huh. that's it was the mac that it, the uh Uh-oh. cd burn failed on but uh-huh. uh i'm trying man i'm trying I'm trying to open with vlc doesn't want to do it all right, we might have to go back. No to,
1: problem. Uh, Sorry to even suggest this record. No, I love really,
0: it. Uh, it's well worth it. Yeah. All this music is fantastic, yeah. by the way. Apologies to Quentin Warren and Billy Hart. Yeah. But uh, take us through uh, to Cologne, if you will.
1: Sure. Um, this is going to be December 4th, 1969. Um, Jimmy Smith on organ, Eddie McFadden on guitar, Anthony Crosby on drums... This is a nice side, too. I'm checking this out pretty hard. Ode to Billy Joe is first.
0: A, a smash hit. Another yeah. one of those radio smash hits I love this the time. song.
1: Yeah. She had a very sad life, right? Do you know her history?
0: Uh, I, one hit wonder, as far as I know. Yeah, Bobby Gentry, I, right? Yeah,
1: I think she... You know, I'm not... I can't remember exactly, but I watched, like, a documentary on her life, and uh, it seemed a little tough.
0: And then uh, another huge hit that... Um, that Sonny Rollins played the, uh, the soundtrack to the film, What's It All About, Alf? I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know but that at all. Stick around WKCR, and you find mm. out all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I didn't know that. All right, let's jump in. We are in Köln at the Gertzenisch. Gerzen, Man, you've been saying this very well. Oh, boy. Got you fooled. All right, <laughs> it's WKCR. Seems to think, okay. Seems to think... There it comes. Ah, yeah. Nice job. What did you do? No No idea. Sorry about that, folks. Thanks for staying with us. (laughs)
3: I'm <laughs> sorry.
0: Don't worry. We're going to come right back to that one. I promise. But uh, let's tell you first, you're listening to Deep Focus on WKCR. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. So fortunate to have Brian Charette here in the studio I'm with me. I'm
1: fortunate to be here. I'm fortunate that you even want to talk to me about this. <laughs> I love talking to you about this I stuff. i like to talk to you about it, too. You get in there, man. Like, not to compare. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe too much. <laughs>
0: Maybe. <laughs> There, Some of the guys asked me to talk to you about this, <laughs> getting some help. No. <laughs> <laughs> they have to get in line. <laughs> but uh, no, no, no. You always, every you, time we do one of you, these. You, you, you. No, no. No, no, <laughs> no you. you. No, you. <laughs> you, this guy. Let me tell you, this guy right here. Um, no, you uh, always do have some next level. Information and ideas on this stuff. Well, I've, we
1: often are talking about something that I'm researching at the time. That's when you, you ask me what I'm into. I'm telling you what I'm into at the time, you know. So, this is what I've been like checking out lately. And we were talking, I just got a record I didn't have a record player for years. And I've been buying all of these records, not obviously what we're listening to, but I've been buying all his records on, on Wax and checking it out. And Brian
0: Charette talking about the incredible. Jimmy Smith, oh yes, this was part two of three parts from Monday, January 9th, 2023, and there's another part, so I'm going to see over part three, but before we go over there, I'm going to ask you um, something, I'm really curious, I get all these statistics on who's listening to Deep Focus, they're not complete, but I see we have listeners in over 60 countries, which is amazing to me and wonderful not a lot in each country so well I always say you know spread the word let some folks know that we're doing this because most people even people that like this music don't know so we're trying to reach them but also I'm going to give you an invitation to email me it's deepfocusnow at gmail.com deepfocusnow at gmail.com I'm curious how and when you listen to deep focus do you listen in the car do you listen on headphones do you listen at home when you're making dinner do you listen when you're trying to fall asleep i'd love to hear anything you have to say so hit me up at deep at gmail.com okay i'm going to see you over at part three january 9th 2023 brian Charette on the topic of the incredible jimmy smith